Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Flick Everett. I'm Yahoo's Senior Lifestyle Editor. Welcome to the Life Edit Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about health and a particularly interesting aspect of health that some of us might have some experience of, which is therapy. Should I see a therapist? Maybe you're already seeing a therapist. I have seen therapists and I'm willing to talk about it. And to help us discuss this hot topic, we have got Alexandra, who is our health reporter. Hello, Alexandra. Thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. So therapy is, this is very interesting because I have been to therapy and I know lots of people go, but if you can't afford it or you don't want to go and spill the beans to a therapist, what what's a sort of useful thing to do instead? Everybody needs to relax. Everybody needs to find a way to feel better in the short term if they can't get a therapist in the long term. What is what do you do? What's your sort of little hobby that makes you feel better in in the short term? Well, I sing in a choir, but unfortunately, it's been sort of no go since pre-pandemic. But we're restarting next month, which I'm really looking forward to. It was on a Tuesday evening. It was so much fun. I made great friends there. I'm a soprano. We belted out the classics and I really miss it. It was it was so good for, I think, my brain. Yeah, that's amazing because being able to sing is supposed to activate all the good bits of your brain, isn't it? It's like the social bit and the learning bit and the enjoyment bit. So I think that's a great way to deal with stress. And I mean, for me, I love painting, which is a much more solitary activity, I suppose, but I really enjoy it. I took it up quite recently in the pandemic. I used to do it when I was much younger and now I just paint in acrylics and oils and it really does take my mind off things. So I would highly recommend if you're feeling stressed, find a hobby because it's a bit of a cliche, but it can really help, especially when it's a sociable one as well. But of course, there are times when a hobby is not going to cut the mustard and you need a little bit more help and there is no shame in that. So we're going to talk about therapy. Um, It's obviously a topic that is much more widely understood than it used to be 10 or 20 years ago. We're all much more open to the idea of therapy since people like Prince Harry and William have talked openly about it and other celebrities have talked about going to couple therapy and so on. But, you know, who does go to therapy? I mean, I think there still lingers this idea that you don't go unless there's a problem. But is that the case? Should we go to prevent there being a problem? What do you think? I think there's no right or wrong answer if you need a little bit of support. I mean, some people go because they've had a traumatic life event, whether that's the death of a loved one, the breakdown of a relationship, financial problems, job insecurity, whatever it may be, it's completely valid. And some people, it's more like maintenance. I've heard in California, sort of the rich and famous all have therapists and sometimes they're having a great day and they skip into their therapist's office, (laughs) but it's a form of sort of maintenance so that prevention's better than cure maybe more so than ever when it comes to your mental health. 
Absolutely that. And it's not necessarily somebody who will talk you through all the traumas of your childhood either, which I think is the sort of popular image of a therapist going back to the beginning and starting from scratch. It's basically someone who can help you sort through the issues in your life and why you keep repeating certain patterns or why you feel certain things keep happening in relationships or why you can't cope with your mother or whatever it may be. And I think it's important, isn't it, to have a professional to do that because I've had friends who've said, oh, well, you know, I've got you, I don't need a therapist. But when you know somebody and you have your own opinions, it's very hard not to join in with them and say, oh, you know, you poor thing. I think a therapist needs to challenge your own thinking patterns and be able to step back. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of value in confiding in loved ones. Sometimes, you know, they like to give advice, which may or may not be helpful or may or may not be what you're aiming for. Sometimes you just want someone to listen and give that sympathy. But a trained professional, like you said, can identify sort of challenging thought patterns and help to sort of pick them apart. And really, it encourages you to readdress sort of those problems that you have in terms of thinking because some things can't be solved if you've lost a loved one nobody can reverse that but it's about getting you to a point where you feel stronger and some people get a lot of comfort from just confiding in loved ones and some people need a bit more professional support but I've spoken to so many doctors who have said to me that at some point in all of our lives we would all benefit from seeking a professional therapist or counsellor, whether or not we actually follow through and do that is a different matter, but we could all benefit from having that extra professional support. Do you know, I think that's entirely true. My best friend, by chance, is a psychotherapist, and that's exactly what she says as well, not because she's trying to get people to come and spend their money, because she also works for the NHS, but just because sometimes in life, things are overwhelming. There's just too much to sort through. You might be trapped in a toxic relationship or repeating patterns you don't want to be stuck in from childhood. I mean, when I got divorced, I went to see a therapist for a few months and I found it immensely helpful, partly because I didn't want to burden my friends night and day with my problems. And I think when you're going through a trauma like that or bereavement or anything else that's very traumatic, I think it's very tempting to turn to the people that you love all the time and go, oh, but what do you think that meant? And oh, but I can't sleep and I feel this. Actually having someone who you know is there for an hour just to listen and help you make sense of it and you don't have to feel guilty about burdening them is a huge bonus and of course you know private therapy is expensive and it's not for everyone and there's very long NHS waiting lists but I think you know if you can access it maybe through work or you know you can get on the waiting list it can be a real help can't it I mean I know at the moment there is quite a boom in people seeking therapy, isn't there, as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. And anyone who's registered with a GP can get it on the NHS, but there will almost inevitably be a waiting list. So if you have the funds and it's perhaps a bit more urgent, you can seek it out privately. You want to go onto the Professional Standards Authority for Health and Social Care websites. Um, you can also refer yourself via the NHS. You don't have to be referred through your GP. So you want to go to the NHS Psychological Therapy Service via what's called IAPT, which stands for Improving Access to Psychological Therapies. And of course, if you're in a critical situation, there are local NHS urgent mental health helplines, or if you're a 
danger to yourself or others, you should call 999. But there are lots of different options, you know, listening services like the Samaritans. They're not therapists. They're just normal people who will listen to you. If you're sort of in that slightly more critical stage and you're on a waiting list, you can't afford to go private. There's, there's always options. People are out there to support you. Absolutely that. Yes. And I think when you do feel depressed or desperate, you think I can't even begin. I don't know where to start. But I think just as you say, start by looking for somebody to listen. That's the only way, really. And listening is so vital to our mental health. And so is talking about how we feel. Even if we don't think anybody's interested, a therapist will listen and probably be able to help steer you to a more positive mental state. So how do you know what therapy is right for you? Because it can be a bit overwhelming can't it when you look it up there's cbt cognitive behavioral therapy or there's the tapping therapy that prince harry has talked about which is to do with eye movement and being able to reset brain patterns or there's human-centered psychotherapy or there's group therapy you know how do you know what's going to work when you've never done it it all can seem a bit scary and overpowering can't it yeah, and I suppose to some extent it's a little bit trial and error. So you may be somebody who finds hearing what other people are going through gives you a source of comfort. You're not alone in feeling this way. Maybe it helps you put things in perspective, in which case group therapy, which tends to have a much shorter waiting list, may be your preference whereas one-on-one -on -one, you'll probably have to wait longer but it might be a bit more personal to you you can speak more freely with just yourself and the therapist I would always recommend going for what the NHS has to offer even if you go privately I'd be guided by what the NHS does because you know it's evidence-based there are scientific studies to support it I mean whatever works for you absolutely and but the technique that Prince Harry has gone through, the tapping, you're not going to get that on the NHS because the evidence is so inconclusive. Any studies that have been carried out were extremely small, whereas we know that CBT can be very effective. It's not a cure-all. It doesn't pretend to be one of those. But to help you build up that resilience and identify changes to your thinking patterns, I would always go down the ones that have hard studies to back them up because I just think ex experimenting with your mental health, particularly if you're in a vulnerable place, is just too dangerous. I fully agree with that. And I think that's really valid. And particularly, you know, if you're in a relationship as well, it's been really difficult during the pandemic, hasn't it? A lot of people have been cooped up together. All of the problems they've never dealt with have sort of come home to roost, quite literally. I mean, do you think couple therapy is a good way to go? You know, you can access it through Relate, which I know is quite booked up, but they do get through a lot of couples. Or you can go private. I mean, is that something you would recommend for couples who are struggling as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think lockdown was quite make or break for lots of people. And speaking about the sort of prevention and maintenance, I know that Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell, celebrity couple, they're very open. They were dating for a couple of weeks and started going to couples therapy because prevention's better than cure. And human beings are so complex and all of our emotions, we really need this extra support in some cases. So if you need that support, absolutely. I don't think you should be ashamed. It's a sign that you want the relationship to work. And in some cases, you know, it could be the making of you. So I would say that if you're in that spot where you're finding it really hard to communicate and it's affecting your mental health, then you should seek support. I think that's very good advice. And I was just thinking as well, it's interesting because in the olden days, you know, people tended to have a bigger community around them, didn't they? They had the local vicar, perhaps, or elder 
relations, cousins, sisters, siblings, and you all stayed around the same village and you all tended to know each other inside out, maybe live in the same houses. I mean, do you think in some ways, even though mental health wasn't a concept that was discussed in those days, in some ways people had more support with their mental health because there were so many people around that they could talk to? Or do you think things have got much better now and we're much more open? I think we've come a long way, but I think we have an awfully long way to go. I think social media has an awful lot to answer for. Arguably, we're more connected than ever. You can communicate with somebody in Australia in real time on your phone. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we have issues like, you know, compare and despair. Everyone's booking in to a five-star resort in Mauritius. Well, they shouldn't be during the pandemic, but in normal times. But no one takes a picture of themselves cleaning the toilet or having an <laughs> argument with their husband as opposed to being very sort of mushy and romantic. So we do see this sort of highlight reels of people's lives. And I think that has an awful lot to answer for them. It's backed up by science now. I also think for decades centuries we've had this sort of big boys don't cry stiff upper lip that british bulldog mentality and it is starting to be broken down more even the royal family who are famously you know never complain never explain they're talking about mental health so we're, we're gradually getting there but I, I think we have a long way to go still yeah absolutely we do and i mean given that probably most of us could benefit from a few sessions at least with a therapist, but we can't all afford it or we can't all access it. What are some of the ways that we can improve the way we feel? I'm not talking about serious debilitating depression, but just you're feeling a bit down, you know, you haven't got anyone around to confide in. How can you lift your mental health? I mean, we, we briefly touched on nature, but that's quite important, isn't it? Being able to access the outdoors and get outside, because I think it's true that studies have shown that that can genuinely lift mood. Yeah, definitely. There's lots of evidence to support sort of what's called forest bathing, being in these green spaces, even if it's an urban environment, but a park inside of it, that can be really beneficial. Exercise is a great stress reliever. It releases endorphins, which are those mood boosting chemicals. Sleep, I would recommend that you prioritize. Exercise and sleep are very connected and make time for things that you enjoy could be cooking it could be painting dancing singing walking try and fit those into your routine mindfulness has a lot of evidence so if you're going for a walk in a green space what colors can you see can you feel the texture of the pavement under your feet can you hear birds it can really help to center the minds I would recommend confiding in a loved one if you have one. I mean, a problem shared is a problem halves. Just feeling listened to is so powerful. If you unfortunately don't have anyone that you trust, there are services like the Samaritans. And I would, you know, see a GP if you're struggling, even if there's a long waiting list, get your name on there. And in the meantime, you can do sort of lifestyle tweaks, calling these support lines just until that appointment comes up. Yeah, exactly that. And I mean, I know self-care is a bit of a buzzword now and it's a bit, oh, come on, you know, we can't all be in a bubble bath 24-7. But really, it means looking after yourself as you would look after a loved one, doesn't it? It means making time for your mental health, taking time to go for a walk each day, maybe even getting a pet if you can, you know, because that is a huge mental health boost for a lot of people if they can cope with it and they've got the room. You know, I know I have felt much better since I've had dogs they just make me much happier every day they lift my mood you know not everybody can manage to have a dog of course but even if it's a hamster you know <laughs> or a goldfish it's something to care for it's something that gets you up in the morning that needs feeding and is lovely to be with so I think things like that finding ways to feed your mental health and to look after 
after your own psyche really is so important, isn't it? Whether or not you manage to have a therapist at the end of it. Yeah, make make time for yourself. You're important, you're special. What do you enjoy in life? And we all have to do the mundane things in life. Most of us have to work and we have to take the bins out and we have to clean the toilet and that's not going to change. But there's no reason why you can't also find time for the enjoyable things. And if you need to talk, you know, be honest about that. You're having a you're going through a challenging period. There's no shame. The person who you're listening to has either been through one themselves or inevitably will. So absolutely make time for yourselves and make yourself a priority and you're doing yourself a service in the long run as well because mental health and physical health are so connected and you know we're, we're supposed to enjoy life we're supposed to excel at work and all the rest of it and you won't be doing that if you're if you're struggling and pretend that you're fine exactly that and I think just to add to that before we have to finish is that a lot of people feel embarrassment and shame around the idea of not being able to cope in inverted commas and the idea of needing a therapist but it's it's not embarrassing to need a doctor if you break your ankle you know it's the same thing if you feel a bit broken mentally or you're not coping why are we embarrassed to say to a therapist or even a GP or a friend you know I'm really struggling at the moment it's perfectly normal all of us are struggling after the pandemic I think in different ways aren't we and throughout it as well and I think it's much more common to need help and support now than to not need it in fact I mean absolutely you would never begrudge somebody for having a heart condition or a broken arm but that can be very sort of easily diagnosed via scans and you physically see them in the cast but the brain is the most complex organ in the body so obviously we're going to have conditions that affect it but depression is sort of harder to prove in some ways because we don't have these definitive scans that show that you have it and everyone has different levels of resilience it's helpful to think about it like a bucket and the water is what you pour in all of these stresses in your life and when it overflows you're unable to cope but some people could go through a relationship breakdown and I'm sure they'd be a bit blue but they're ultimately okay and some people it actually triggers quite a serious case of depression so I think it's sort of sometimes people can be a bit unsympathetic oh I was fine when that happened to me but we are all different a lot of it comes down to our personality which is genetic and it's also based on our early life experiences so we shouldn't be in any way judgmental we should all be looking out for each other and you know the pandemic has been such a huge challenge very early on there was a scientific study and they said this will have a profound and pervasive impact on people's mental health for some time time because it's this perfect storm of you know anxiety social isolation economic downturns and it's you know we're not out of the woods yet this is going to continue so I would completely encourage people to be caring to yourself to others who are going through this and seek help brilliant thank you so much Alex I can't add to that because it's perfect way to finish so thank you so much for joining us and that is all we've got time for sadly to discuss today but if you would like to read more keep up with all the latest news head to yahoo style uk don't miss it and thank you for listening hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.